Welcome to another edition of Destination Annapolis, a podcast focusing on the people, places, and events that make Annapolis and Anne Arundel County, Maryland, a destination of choice for discerning travelers. I'm your host, Susan Seifried with Visit Annapolis and Anne Arundel County, and I'm happy to have as my guest today, Chanel Compton, Executive Director of the Banneker Douglas Museum in Annapolis. Welcome, Chanel. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Susan, for having me. So for more than 35 years, the Banneker Douglas Museum has served as the official repository for Maryland's African-American history and heritage, but it's so much more than a museum. It's a movement. Can you tell our listeners how the museum first got started? Yes. So the Banneker Douglas Museum, uh, the facility was once Mount Moriah Church, Built in 1874, the congregation was about 100 years old uh, when it sold the property to Anne Arundel County, and the county wanted to tear it down and turn it into a parking lot. And if you can imagine, um, there was an uproar in the African-American community, and the Maryland Commission on African-American History and Culture, which was a relatively new state commission, it was actually the first state ethnic commission in the nation. Uh, That commission, along with community partners, community advocates, um, and the African-American community at large in Annapolis, protested and created a campaign called Save Mount Moriah. Uh, and they went to court. Um, they won. They won. They actually won national preservation status, uh, which prevented the county from tearing the church down. Uh, and later on, it would open in 1984 as the Banneker Douglas Museum, Maryland State Museum on African-American History and Culture. So the museum is not only a repository for African-American history and culture in Maryland, but it's also a historic preservation site. Uh, so it's an architectural marvel. You have the historic wing, which was once Mount Moriah Church, where we hold exhibitions and performances and lectures. And we also have a modern edition that was built in 2006 that holds our permanent exhibit, Deep Roots Rising Waters, a celebration of African-Americans in Maryland. And in that exhibit, it explores African-American experiences and historical moments in Maryland, in Maryland um, from the early 1600s all the way up into the civil rights era in the 1960s. We also have a temporary gallery in our modern edition facility. We have a state-of-the-art collections room. Uh, we have a cor- course office spaces. And when you enter the modern edition, we have a beautiful uh, foyer that has a large installation uh, art sculptural piece that was created by Lauren Cornish of stained glass remnants from Mount Moriah Church. It's a beautiful piece. So the Banneker Douglas Museum is a magical place. You have history, you have preservation, uh, you have art, you have culture, and so much more. So definitely come visit. So there's so many things that people can take advantage of when they come to your museum itself. What a lot of people might not be aware of is all that goes on behind the scenes in terms of your uh, initiatives and your programs and 
all that the Maryland Commission on African American History and Culture has in the works in combination with you. You're basically a hub for social activism and social change from the very beginning. Is that not so? That's very true. Uh, the, the opening of the Banneker Douglas Museum was an act of social justice. In addition to that, the very founding of the Maryland Commission on African American History and Culture, which now operates the Banneker Douglas Museum, uh, the founding of that commission was an act of social justice. Senator Verda Freeman Welcome, uh, who led the legislation in 1969 to create the commission, she herself survived an assassination attempt. She was the first state woman senator in Maryland who was an African-American. This was a year after King's assassination. Um, and you can imagine that there was... Maryland was in an uproar. The nation was in an uproar. Uh, and so Senator Verda Freeman Welcome, along with a good friend of hers and colleague, Benjamin, Professor Benjamin Quarles of Morgan State University, who was a student of Carter G. Woodson, uh, built the legislative case uh, to create this commission to actively and authentically preserve African-American history and culture in the great state of Maryland. Uh, because how can you really hate someone if you know their history and culture? So by creating this commission, her, her case, her main priority was to amplify Black voices in Maryland and to promote racial equity uh, and inclusion in Maryland as well. So when that commission was formed, uh, one of the first major initiatives that they took on was saving Mount Moriah Church. And so once, once that was accomplished, they already had a major collection. They already had a collection featuring Maryland African-American artists and artifacts. Uh, so the Banneker Douglas Museum was a perfect uh, location um, as the state's repository. So that was back in 1969 that the commission was established, and you've said all that led to the establishment of it and where it first got situated with the Banneker Douglas Museum. I would imagine there's just so many common threads that have woven through the past 50 plus years to today and the COVID-19 environment. I mean, do you see parallels to what was back then as to some of the issues that we're dealing with now? Yes, uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which has greatly impacted African-American communities and communities of color throughout the nation, and of course in Maryland, uh, the Maryland Commission on African-American History and Culture uh, partnered with the Governor's Office of Community Initiatives and reached over a million African-Americans in Maryland, um, providing resources and information on uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and social distancing, social distancing practices. Uh, so, you know, the commission, um, many a times when people hear about the Maryland Commission on African-American History and Culture, they think about, you know, museums and preservation and so forth. But no, the commission also serves um, on a multitude of levels uh, when it comes to community health and wellness. So a lot 
of what you have always done and continue to do is build tremendous partnerships to achieve your goals in terms of this whole anti-racism effort that's underway and has been and social activism and moving forward in this environment. Can you give us some examples? I, what comes to mind is the whole Black Lives Matter mural project that you worked on with Future History Now. You really hit the nail right on the head, right? We are in the midst of the largest civil rights demonstration in our nation's history. So, you know, the Banneker Douglas Museum is a repository for African-American history and culture but we're also a hub of social activism. One of uh, our major initiatives that we launched in 2020 was the Black Vote Mural Project. The Black Vote Mural Project is aligned with the 2020 Black history theme, African-Americans in the vote. Uh, 2020 was the 100th anniversary of the women's suffrage movement that gave women the right to vote. African-American women, um, played a great role in making sure, <coughs> excuse me, that legislation went through. The 15th Amendment also gave Black men the right to vote. And of course, 2020 was a presidential election. So we invited over 16 Maryland and regional artists to create murals to interpret the history and power of the Black vote. Um, and then of course, the pandemic. That exhibit opened in February. The pen, we went into quarantine in March, and we had to make a, a strong pivot towards um, virtual programming because, of course, even though we were in quarantine, real things were happen, happening in the world around us, um, from the, the murders of African-Americans um, from uh, police brutality and vigilantism, um, there was, of course, the presidential election um, and mobilizing the Black vote and speaking out against voter suppression. So we made a, a strategic pivot to um, uh, virtual programming to amplify Maryland Black voices around those causes. Uh, we hosted the uh, Black Vote Mural Project Youth Conference, uh, which was incredibly powerful reaching thousands of young people throughout Maryland. We hosted the Black Vote um, Symposium featuring speakers, um, really highlighting the commission, the Maryland Commission on African-American History and Culture um, and um, uh, community activists throughout the state um, around, of course, the history and power of the Black Vote. Um, so though it was incredibly devastating going through a quarantine and a global pandemic, um, be having the opportunity to um, engage individuals online and foster partnerships that we would never have fostered otherwise um, was an, an inspiring and really powerful journey for the Banneker Douglas Museum. Uh, and so we look forward, you know, when we open, hopefully in August, that though we will still be doing in-person on-site programming and exhibitions, that we'll still have a focus on doing 
um, accessible uh, and relevant and timely virtual programming that for the most part is free to the public. What comes to mind immediately is Maryland Hall for the Creative Arts and the Art of Activism exhibit that you have there. Yeah, we have a really great partnership with Marilyn Hall, um, with the Art Activism Exhibit. That was a group exhibition and partnership with the Maryland Commission on African American History and Culture and the Banneker Douglas Museum, uh, with, of course, Marilyn Hall. And uh, the commissioners and myself had the opportunity to jury uh, a multitude of Maryland-based Black artists uh, to be included in this exhibition. And let me tell you, if you are free Wednesday or Friday between the hours of 3.30 and 6.30, make your way over to Maryland Hall to see that exhibition. It is powerful. Um, all three floors feature artwork by African-American, well, African-American and diasporic artists uh, and their work is protest art. You know, they are, um, all of the pieces represent um, the African-American experience in the United States combating systemic racism and oppression. Uh, it is protest art to the T. In addition to that, uh, seven of the artists were chosen to create custom Black Lives Matter banners that are currently installed outside Maryland Hall. So let's say you don't feel comfortable um, because you know during this pandemic, going inside the facility, drive by, look at the murals, take pictures. It is incredible and they're very diverse uh, and very profound. One of the artists, Kamasel Brown, he will be, um, his banner will be installed uh, at the Banneker Douglas Museum in front of our front entrance this month. So definitely stay tuned to that. We'll be promoting that on social media. Uh, and th the title of that banner is It's Still Black Lives Matter, which I think is incredibly on point. Um, so, so many things are in the works um, as it relates to community partnerships. Um, with virtual programming. We have a host of Black History Month programs. Of course, this is February, uh, and um, you can learn more about that if you go to our website, bdmuseum.maryland.com. All year long, we will be celebrating Black family representation and identity, as this is the national theme for Black history. Uh, and so we'll be doing virtual programs, um, as well as um, hopefully when we open in August, on-site programming as well. So among those workshops and seminars and things, I know you're going to have a whole series of anti-racism workshops that will begin in February and run pretty much throughout the year. Is that correct? All year long. So the Banneker Douglas Museum, uh, and speaking of partnerships, we have built a coalition with a number of agencies, such as the Maryland State Office of uh, Juvenile Services, Anne Arundel County Public Libraries, um, a really great organization called Baltimore Read Aloud, um, the Naval Academy, um, Bowie State University, Maryland, Maryland State Archives, and the list goes on. Um, we built a coalition. It's an anti-racism coalition where educators and experts from those agencies will be developing 
pretty much curating a series of anti-racism training for the community at large. And this will be free to the public. Um, the first inaugural meeting of the coalition will be in February and the anti-racism training series itself will begin in August. And they're so you, all gonna be virtual. So you have quite a lot of programming lined up for the year ahead. And I can hear your enthusiasm for this path, this path that's being blazed in terms of um, coming out of COVID-19, working with the new partners and existing partners. Um, I'm not going to say it's a whole new frontier, but it has to feel pretty exciting at this time, doesn't it? Exciting, yes, for sure. And a wise person, um, actually one of my colleagues, Sabria Hassan, she's the Banneker Douglas Museum um, Programs Director. We were having a conversation today and she said, you know, Chanel, within this line of work, in order to be effective, you have to have patience and you have to have passion. So, you know, we are incredibly passionate by what we do, but we know that we have to have patience and um, patience and care because things happen. You know, we didn't know that the that we were going to be in a pandemic and in quarantine early on in 2020. Um, but because we were so passionate and because we didn't give up uh, and we were patient with our community partners and we listened, uh, we were able, were able to accomplish so much. So there's an old African saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Uh, and patience and passion are two things that, that make these community partnerships so effective. That's great. And, and you know, you talked earlier, you, you touched on your Deep Roots Rising Waters permanent exhibit. And I, I would like it if you could share some information about that. I mean, one of the things that always pops out to me when I see that exhibit is the whole Cars Beach tremendous, beautiful display. Um, maybe some of our listeners aren't as familiar with Cars Beach as we are since we live here. Yes, Cars Beach was an African-American uh, recreational beach in Annapolis. Uh, we have a really great display talking about the history of Cars, Cars Beach and the historic figures that perform there, such as James Brown and Sarah Vaughn and, and the like. So if you visit the museum, um, you get a little, of course, you're going to learn about Maryland African-American history and get a snapshot of historic moments and figures in Maryland African-American history, but you also go a little bit deeper in Annapolis history as well. And so uh, we have information on Cars Beach. We also have information on Wiley H. Bates, which, which was an African-American school uh, in Annapolis. And I believe the only African-American um, uh, school for, for African-American students in Annapolis. The exhibit goes back from the 1600s, starting with Matthias de Sousa, who was um, an explorer. He came to Annapolis and he actually um, was elected to state legislator. Um, we have information on Benjamin Banneker, famed African-American um, uh, mathematician, and he helped survey Washington, D.C. Uh, we have, of course, um, the um, narrative of Kunta Kinte, 
who was um, brought captive to the docks of Annapolis. Uh, and so, uh, of course, his ancestor, Alex Haley, wrote that groundbreaking book, Roots, um, that explores um, his lineage to Kente and, and his, his fa ancestral family. Uh, we have information on Frederick Douglass, uh, other Marylanders such as Harriet Tubman, um, the history of emancipation and African-Americans um, uh, experience. We also have a section of the exhibit that explores um, African-Americans in times of war, um, dating back from the um, Civil War all the way up until World War II. Uh, we have African uh, information on African-American schoolhouses, um, of course, information on the civil rights movements and historical figures such as the famed Gloria Richardson and her so social justice movement in Cambridge. We have uh, information on Thurgood Marshall and his fight uh, for uh, um, integration of our schools and communities. So the, if you do not leave that exhibit inspired and wanting to learn more about Black history, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I really don't. It really does do a great job um, inspiring people to be agents of change in their own communities, because these were everyday people. Gloria Richardson was an everyday person, and she fought to desegregate Cambridge, which had a tremendous ripple effect throughout the nation during and really um, helped mobilize uh, the civil rights movement. So uh, it's incredible. It really is. And the great thing about this exhibit is that it's accessible for people of all ages. It's accessible for people who, um, for younger audiences to our elders. It really is a family, um, oriented experience. So we encourage you to come. And all that you've just said, the tremendous amount that's on display in the museum itself, then you have your collection. So it's like not even all of what you have to share is out. I mean, it's all that you have said and then some, which is remarkable, which is phenomenal. And I understand that you've just upgraded your whole collections area, right? We did. We upgraded our collection room facility uh, made possible by the Institute of Library and Museum Sciences, IMLS. Uh, that grant uh, afforded us the, the ability to upgrade our collections facility with beautiful flat file uh, storage units, a movable art rack for our fine arts collection. Uh, it's really a beautiful facility. And so our goal is to, you know, make our facility more accessible to the public, more accessible for outside researchers uh, and engaging. And so that the facility does just that. And I can't say enough about our current uh, collections curator, Ms. Shalesa Howard, who does a really great job with working with uh, researchers and, and community groups and school groups um, to engage them with, with our collection. And on top of all that, if people want to hold events at your museum, they can do that as well. 
They can. So, well, right now we're close to the public, unfortunately, but we have a host of virtual programming online, of course. Um, but we are looking to open in August in phases. Uh, in the past, of course, our museums have hosted weddings and baby showers and celebrations and family reunions. And we look forward to doing just that um, post COVID. So stay tuned for, for more information. You can visit our website if you'd like to um, inquire about renting the museum in 2021. Um, the person of contact is Leron Herbert. Uh, and you can find his information at bdmuseum.maryland.gov. Chanel, you've had such great information to share with us today. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to make sure our listeners are aware of? I always enjoy uh, speaking with you, Susan. Uh, and I really look forward to um, reopening because the era in which we're living in, there's this heightened urgency for racial equity, for social justice, and for amplifying uh, Black voices. And our museum is a resource for that. If you're a teacher, if you're an educator, and you want to um, explore Black history and anti-racism in your classroom, come to us. If you're a family that wants to inspire your, your children on um, in, incredible civil rights leaders, such as Gloria Richard, Richardson, such as Thurgood Marshall, come to us. If you're a tourist and you just want to learn a little bit more about Maryland history, come to us. Because African-American history and culture lays the blueprint for social change and innovation. Uh, and what better way to explore that than at the Banneker Douglas Museum? Oh, Chanel, thank you so much for all of this wonderful information and for joining us today. Uh, people everywhere, as you've heard, there are so many resources that await you at the Banneker Douglas Museum. And I thank you so much, Chanel, for sharing all of that with us today. Thank you, Susan. Again, my guest has been Chanel Compton, Executive Director of the Banneker Douglas Museum in Annapolis. Until next time, I'm your host, Susan Seifried, with Visit Annapolis and Anne Arundel County for Destination Annapolis. Mm -hmm.